Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. This is a very famous passage of scripture in which Jesus is tempted of the devil. And the description is laid out for us in Matthew chapter 4. Verse number 1, verses 1 through 4. There's more, obviously, to the whole scenario, but we'll only read this first part. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered, or he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Isn't it typical of the devil to hit you right where it means the most? 40 days, 40 nights fasting, and he approached you, and the first thing that he puts out there is, if you're hungry, cast these, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want to speak just for a few moments today on carnival mirrors, carnival mirrors. Lord, help us today. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would impart and you would direct us today. We give to you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, this morning, if you stepped forward because of what you felt, maybe you're not sure even how to pray or what to say, today was a, a great, great step in the right direction. If we're moving toward God, that's a good direction. And so continue that. Amen. God will develop a lot of things in your life. And uh, just be sensitive and open to receiving of his anointing and his presence. The psalmist made an astounding statement when he talked about the creator. In Psalm 139, he said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God has put his hand on me and he has created me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. God put breath into my lungs, breathed the breath of life, and he created me, humanity. The human body is made up of head, neck, torso, two arms, and two legs. The average height of an adult human is about five to six feet tall. It's made to, he is made, she is made to stand erect, to walk on two feet, use the arms to carry and lift, has opposable thumbs that give us the ability to grasp things. Our body is made up of 100 trillion cells, 206 bones, 600 muscles, and 22 internal organs. The psalmist had it right when he said, I am, I am <laughs> wondrously and fearfully made. There are many systems that make up your body, the circulatory system, heart, blood, vessels, the respiratory system, nose, trachea, and lungs, the immune system, many types of protein, cells, organs, and tissues, the skeletal systems, the bone structure, the excretory system, lungs, large intestine, kidneys, the urinary system, the bladder and the kidneys, the muscular system, the muscles that make things flow and work, the endocrine system, the glands that are in your body, the digestive system, 
which is comprised of the mouth, esophagus, stomach, and intestines. The nervous system, the brain, the spinal cord, and nerves. And finally, the reproductive system, the male and female reproductive organs. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has, has put together what we are. Every square inch of the human body has about 19 million skin cells. Every hour, about one billion cells in the human body must be replaced. This is not a fact that you'll want to hear, but it's very true. When you dust your house, it's not just Bakersfield dust. You shed a lot of skin, and a lot of that skin <laughs> creates the dust that is on your coffee table. The average human head has about 100,000 hairs. The circulatory system of arteries, veins, and capillaries is about 60,000 miles long. The heart beats more than 2.5 billion times in an average lifetime. There are about 9,000 taste buds on the surface of the tongue, in the throat, and on the roof of the mouth. And depending on how you measure force, the tongue is one of the strongest muscles in the body. The heart is able to pump and create enough pressure that it can squirt blood 30 feet. You blink over 10 million times a year. Don't blink. The human brain weighs about three pounds. And in order for these systems to work properly and efficiently to their maximum capacity, you have to put fuel into that system to make it work. The body cannot survive without food. Did you know that we spend six years of our life eating, according to some studies? But when Jesus, when he looks at all of this and the tempter comes to him and presents to him the temptation after he is fasting and he is hungering, the tempter comes to him and provides a temptation. Jesus, though he recognizes the need of fueling the body, he also notes the necessity of also fueling the spirit. The reason why we're in this house today is because we recognize we're going to get lunch in a while. We may have had breakfast, fruity pebbles or something like that, the breakfast of champions. We recognize that there is a need to fuel the body. But if we come to this house today and we forget that there is also a spiritual component of who we are, we have missed out on something that is very, very important, that is absolutely essential, that Jesus recognizes when Satan comes to him and he answers Satan and he says, and you won't find this in a textbook somewhere, he says that there is a spiritual system that is every bit as important as every single one of those other systems. There is a breathing, living spirit and soul on the inside of each and every one of us that you can try to fill it with a lot of things, drugs and alcohol, and, and there's a lot of stuff, immorality. You can try to fill it up and, and try to find happiness somewhere and fulfillment somewhere and a spiritual direction and connection. But I'm telling you, the only way that you can fill up that God spot is to fling open the door and say, God, I'm going to open myself to receive of the presence of God that I feel. Amen. I'm going to pursue that. 
There's a natural man, yes, but there's also a spiritual man. In the house of God today, what are we doing? We are, we are working on the spiritual man. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28, very poignant passage of scripture here today. Given this discussion, Jesus said, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There is a soul. There's an internal component. When we die and we go by the way of the grave, there is a shell and a husk of what remains. But the internal component of spirituality that makes you who you are is something that God is very, very interested in. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know him, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual... In the house of God today, I understand emphatically what is going on in this place. There's a spiritual component and a moving even to this very service. Why? Because there is a direction by the creator of who we are to put a, put a spotlight on our soul and our internal man and our spirit. And I'm so very, 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 very glad that he does and that he's in this place here today. There is a need for spiritual food. You're going to get a lot of stuff that could provide nutrients, but they may be empty nutrients. I don't know that I'm going to be, walk away, be able to walk away from this service today and say, I didn't get any nutrients for that which I crave. I felt the Holy Ghost in this place today. I'm going to walk out of this building and say, it made it very, very worthwhile to get up this morning, to get clothed, to get here, to step into this sanctuary, to worship God and to praise God because I know that there is a spiritual resource that is in this place that provides the nutrients that's not empty calories. Hallelujah. This service today is going to go with me this day. And it's not only going to go with me this day, but it'll be with me all the way into next week. Why? Because Jesus never gives to us something that is empty, that fades away, that provides no real nutrients. But he gives to us something that is powerful, something that empowers, something that enables and strengthens us. Something called his faithfulness that he puts in us. His mercy that we feel in the house of God. Is there anybody in this place here today that recognizes God provides the way that nobody else and nothing else can provide. Praise God. Somebody clap your hands. Come on, a little empty there. Come on. I need to feel a surge. I need to feel a surge in the pew here this morning. We're talking about people that are fighting for their soul. There's a God that's interested in your soul and your spirit. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus made himself nothing and took upon him the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There was an emptying in Jesus' life. Jesus enters into the world and he sets aside all the power and the privileges. This is what makes the incarnation so very, very fascinating. He sets aside the power and the privileges of divinity. He purposely sets it aside to experience things in humanity. He obviously could have taken the stones and made them into bread, but he is purposely in self-emptying of himself saying, I'm going to live in the limitations of humanity even though I don't have to. This is what's very fascinating because at some moments he slips out of that, but never as it pertains to redemptive purposes. He'll say as he steps out on the bow of the boat, peace be still and everything obeys and that's pretty amazing, and the disciples stand in awe. But as it has to do with redemptive purposes, he never steps outside of his own self-limitation on being a human and experiencing every struggle and temptation and pain. He was born in man's likeness. He was obedient even when it meant death. He even accepted the shameful death of an outcast criminal. Why? Because he loves us. And he was willing to pay the ultimate price. And in Matthew, it says that he was tempted as a man when he is physically weakened. 40 days of fasting in the desert. The enemy comes, the accuser of the brethren, Satan comes and he tempts him. He did not try to resist by reaching back into his own divinity and power and ability and authority. But he did respond by saying a quote that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Jesus is speaking the words of God himself. And since Jesus is the representation of God himself, he has all authority to make that claim and that statement. And he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word of God is important to us today because it is what provides the nutrients and the strength to us. And Jesus said, I'm not going to get into a conflict with you and, and, and argue back and forth. I'm just going to make an emphatic statement. Praise God. It's not by bread alone, but it's by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Do you thank God for the word of God that you have today? It's what, it's what anchors you. It's what establishes you. It's what defines you. The word of God defines you. The word of God defines you. The world will try to define you. People around you will try to define you. Influences around you from different quarters in the world will try to define you. But the scripture is what is supposed to define us. And Jesus, in this very, very weak moment at the very bottom, when it would seem like as a human that he has lost all traces of his own strength and power, recognizes, I can't do this on my own, but I know something that is going to be a strength in this moment. And what is it going to be? It's going to be the word of God.
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to your word. Your word is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is powerful. This is why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is power in that word. Jesus unleashes the word in one of his lowest moments. The key is making sure you're eating the right food. You can't eat empty calories and expect to get proper nutrients to survive. You know, one of the amazing things that happened when I was being raised is I was raised without a television. People nowadays, you say that, they're so, <laughs> they're aghast at that. You know what I did? I read books. Good books. Started with Dr. Seuss and my mother still has some of those books, Dr. Seuss. My kids inherited some of those books. You need to teach your children to read books. The diet that you put into your spiritual system is going to have an impact on that spiritual system. And the word is something that is not empty, but it's something that provides a depth. I'll never forget going on a particular trip and the bus driver, he spent, spent a lot of time in the bus. <clears throat> and so... He had to get him some reading materials. And so one time when we were loading up, he was coming in from the store. He had a big stack of reading materials. I said, what do you have there? What are you reading? What he had was a stack of tabloids. They even sell tabloids anymore. The Examiner and Star and all this kind of stuff that you see when you go through the grocery line and they're all right there. They're, they're gossip magazines. They're, that's what he was going to read while he was hanging out in the bus. A big stack of is that really going to help you? Is that going to be good nutrients to you? Probably not. And the nutrition of the world is much like this. There's a lot of, of things that you can ingest, but in ingesting them, are they making you a better person? Ingesting them, are they pushing the kingdom of God forward? Hello. Ingesting them, are they making you a better saint of God? Ingesting them, do they make you raise your calling of God in your life? God. God call, God's calling us to greater things in the house of God today. God's calling you to be better than you are. God's reaching forth and saying you can become more than what you are. It's amazing. Even in the tragedy of Job, Job chapter 23 and verse number 12, when he was going through so many difficulties in life. He said, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I'm going to trust in the word of God more than what is put on my table. Sometimes we get that turned around. If we're not eating, we're pain and hunger. And I'm not just talking about physical food. I'm talking about the appetite of humanity. If our appetite is not there, then sometimes we feel like everything is turned upside down. But Job said, I recognize the proper perspective and priority is not on my appetites. 
but it's on the word of God. And it's more than my necessary food. The psalmist said, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 5 says, and have tasted the good word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. There has been a table that has been spread here in the house of God today, and what I have tasted in this place today has been God's faithfulness. What I've tasted here in this place today is God's mercy. What I've tasted in this place is God's grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness. What I have tasted in this place today is the goodness of God. His graciousness. Jesus even placed the word of God even above family. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 27 a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. Basically, that person was saying, The womb of Mary and the breasts of Mary. And he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. What was he doing? He was establishing the right priority on appetites and the word of God. Jeremiah, seeing the necessity of the word of God, said in Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. This is why I should ruminate on the scripture. This is why I should meditate on the scripture. This is why I should draw strength from the scripture. This is why I should handle the word of God appropriately. Why? Because it's going to be my strength. My emotions are not going to be my strength because my emotions are out of whack. They're up and they're down. They're different from day to day. But the word of God is a strength to me. So that when I go through those difficult times, there is something that's an anchor that holds. It anchors me. It holds me. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17 said, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosperous these kinds of verses when you come to the house of God and it feels like everything is against you and every enemy and everybody and you read that particular word right there no weapon is formed against thee shall prosper that is the anointing of God and the faith of God to know that no matter where I am the word of God is going to be a strength to me Isaiah said, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. There are some things that the word of God provides to me that strengthens me, that provides the nutrients in my life, that develops me. Many times there are verses that come that I'm not even thinking about that come to my mind in situations that become an anchor to my soul. Yet there are some very severe disorders that we have to avoid when it comes to the Word of God. And this is where carnival mirrors come into play this morning. Some of these are very, very real to some people that struggle 
Bulimia and anorexia are two things that have to do with the appetite and the way a person is perceived. Bulimia is attempting to rid oneself of those calories. And so they will purge those. Either, and this can be in multiple forms, it can be by laxative, it can be by diuretics, or it can be by excessive exercise. Ladies and gentlemen, if you eat 1,000 calories, it's going to take you uh, quite a bit of exercise to work all that off. And so after you eat it, you can't think, I'm going to go run 10 miles and take care of that. That's excessive exercise. And that is a form of bulimia. It's trying to expel calories. And it causes all kinds of problems. It causes chronic gastric reflux. It causes dehydration. It causes cardiac arrhythmia, cardiac arrest. It causes inflammation of the esophagus. It causes rupturing in the esophageal wall due to vomiting, oral trauma because of the repetis, the repetitive insertion of fingers and other ob objects into the mouth. It causes constipation, infertility. I'm not sure how that happens, but it does. Peptic ulcers, calluses or scars, it causes constant weight fluctuations. It causes dental erosion. It causes swollen salivary glands. It's a disorder because people are trying to maintain a certain appearance that also takes place in a cognitive thing. It's a disorder. And so what is being consumed is in the form of bulimia, removed by physical means in order to maintain a certain image. And isn't that what a carnival mirror does? If you ever stood in front of some mirrors, some of them make you look fat, some of them make you look skinny. Can you imagine if you had one of those carnival mirrors every single day that you uh, got ready and it was one of those that made you look real tall and skinny? And yet that's not the fact. Or what if it was the reverse? What if, if every day you got up and looked in the mirror and it made you look squat and short and really wide? It's going to have an effect on the way that you think. And so a disorder of the word of God being the proper nutrients that we take within us and that are needed in our life becomes something that is necessary not to expunge out of our life, but that the word of God will form and shape us. And God will mold us, not something just to come and then to reject, but something that should come and be absorbed into our life. So bulimia is one particular disorder, but anorexia is another one that has more to do with cognition because a person that is looking at themselves in the mirror thinks that they're still fat when in fact they may be desperately, desperately unhealthy. And so how does this... How does this connect to spiritual and spirituality? Well, there's a lot of portrayals and voices that describe to us what we should be. The ideal body shape is one of the reasons 
It's one of the contributing factors to bulimia. And so the portrayal of the world influences a person to accept a certain image. And yet their appetite doesn't match up to that. And so because they so want to obtain that image, they will operate in these disorders. And if there's a disorder in the physical, there's a disorder in the spiritual realm that is connected as well. When we come to the house of God and the Holy Ghost moves in this place, we, we cannot walk out and just reject it and go on our way as if it never happened, thinking that we are okay. I'm telling you in this place today, what God is starting in your life is something you need to continue on. It is a spiritual thing. It didn't happen by accident. God brought you to this place for a purpose. And, and, and if you... And if we, even the saints of God, take on the word of God and then reject it and expel it and go on our way, we become a testimony that is a failed testimony. We become an example that is a flawed example. I know we've got struggles and difficulties, but I'd rather be trying my very, very best than to reject and expunge and expel some things that God puts in my heart in life that happens on a weekly basis of his anointing and his presence and his ability and people that preach across this pulpit trying to do what? Mold us and shape us into what we need to be. Only to reject that and look at a mirror and think that we're okay, but it's a carnival mirror. It's possible to enjoy the word only to purge it out of our consciousness when we feel necessary. And so we're not receiving the proper nutrients. We're damaged because we are destructively purging what has been preached and taught and read. We are weak and we are anemic and we are looking at the symptoms in our life, wondering why we're having spiritual problems because we're dealing with ulcers and worry and spiritual scars and severe erosion of a spiritual compass. We can't even figure out what's right and what's wrong anymore because our minds have been so undated by an influence and an image of the world that it's, it's, not, it, it's not the will of God. It's not directed by the will of God. It's not directed by the word of God. I'm preaching to you today that the best thing you could do with your life is be directed by, number one, the word of God. God and the presence of God and the spirit of God. And, and that's what reality is. And that's what truth is. Leave the word in you. Jeremiah said, I tried my very best. I said, I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. But he said, his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. Man, there's so many others. Joseph, despite his circumstances in life, refused to be called and defined by Potiphar's wife, even if it meant going to prison. Job, despite his difficulties, refused to part from the word of God. Daniel, though thrown in a lion's den, still hung true to the word of God. Elijah, when he felt like everything was collapsing around him, it was the word of the Lord that came to him in the still, small voice that put him back out in his prophetic role. I am not going to purge out what God has put in me. Anorexia is something that's basically bulimia, but it also has a, a cognitive component because it has to do with how a person sees themselves and their image. They may be dangerously underweight, but they don't view themselves that way. And so it's in their mind. It's a self-perception. And this is where James comes in and says, 
In chapter 1 and verse 23, carnival mirrors, he says. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If, if the word of God and the presence of God doesn't confront you in a sanctuary and in a church that exposes you for who you really are, you're in the wrong church. You're going to the wrong place. But if the anointing of God and the presence of God exposes who we are, kind of like Isaiah that saw the Lord high and lifted up and he said, woe am I, I'm a man of unclean lips. If you're in that place and the anointing of God impacts and touches you and exposes you for who you are, there's a God that is there not to beat you over the head with it, but a God to pick you out of where you are. And so he gives to us an opportunity to look into the mirror of who we really are, the word of God does. Not a carnival mirror that we look and say, I'm, everything's okay, I'm skinny, when I'm not so skinny. Or man, I, I, I'm really overweight, when in fact I'm not so overweight. A carnival mirror gives the illusion based on concave and convex portions of the mirror, things are obscured and out of place. The word of God never does any trickery like that. If God confronts you with some things and you look in that mirror and you see what I really am, there's a reason for that and it's God's mercy and it's God's faithfulness to you and it's God's love for you. You know what's amazing? It's almost like sometimes the enemy is the one that is bringing out the carnival mirrors. Brother Nate, this is what you are right here. And based on the reflection of that mirror, you look in that thing and you, you think that your life is defined that way. Kind of like Gideon, right? The angel appears to Gideon and he says, mighty man of valor. Gideon's thinking in his mind, are you kidding me? I'm down here in a wine press trying to thresh wheat. I'm so scared my knees are knocking. The enemy has destroyed and taken and have defined me. Have you lost your mind? But God's saying, no, you're better than that, Gideon. You're better than that. Moses, how am I going to speak? What am I going to say? Moses, you're not looking at the right mirror. You need to look at God's mirror, and it's his word. And his word's going to give you a proper reflection on who you really are. How about Peter? Peter had to overcome what he thought of himself. First John chapter 3 and verse 20, as we stand together in conclusion, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Praise God. How do you see yourself today? In the house of God today, how do you see yourself? Let the word of God be your necessary food. Don't don't purge it, remove it. How about fall in love with it? Because it's what's going to be a strength and a guide. It is where the source of salvation comes from. I'm going to use it. I'm going to enable it. I'm going to empower it in my life. And I'm going to let that mirror of the word speak reality into my world. God's true business is to help us see reality from his perspective, not our own. He 
He's not holding up some carnival mirror. That's not what God does. God gives to us reality. It's the carnival mirror over here that provides all the things that the enemy tries to influence us and tries to get us to think in our mind. But it's God's word that says the, the true reality is I'm a sinner that needs the grace of God. Praise God. I may not feel like a mighty warrior, but God's called me to a holy calling. I mean, I may not feel great, but God is saying there is greatness in you. You are more than a conqueror. I may not feel like a conqueror, but God establishes that confidence in my life. And he gives me the true reality that comes from his word, not something that is fake and fleeting. That's the work of the enemy. And so when the accuser of the brethren comes and he tries to present that temptation to Jesus at his lowest moment, at his lowest moment, Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's a spiritual component to who you are that no matter what you do in the world, you will never be satisfied until God fills that. And that's why we believe the infilling of the Holy Ghost is filling that God spot. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need to seek the Holy Ghost. It is a gift of God that provides and fulfills what nothing else in life can. You say, well, if I could just get enough money, I think I'd be happy. You know what? I've been in some places where people don't have two pennies to rub together, and they're more happy than people in the United States that have so very, very much. Did you know that the poorest among us in the United States is rich when you go to somewhere like Ethiopia? And yet those people can be very, very happy. It's not money that brings happiness. If, if I could just stay young, I'm pursuing youth. You see some people surgeries, 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 and they look so out of place, they are not happy. I'm telling you they are not happy because they're trying to pursue something that we are eventually going to go through. It's a stage, all right? At some point, at some point, we did, some of you haven't even been over into the gym, but if you go over to the gym, it's amazing. It is beautiful. They have done stuff in there. You walk into that look like the same gym. The floor is different. There, I, there's a lot of work and effort that's gone in that. It is amazing. So I had a staff meeting and I told them, all right, everybody, I want you to go over there. I want you to step in that place. I want you to look around. It's so beautiful and it's so nice. We're getting ready to move the kitchen and all the kids back in. So look at it, get real excited about it, and then get over it. Because a passel of T-Rocket kids and kids and daycare kids, and it's going to get used. And this is the nicest it's ever going to look right here before anybody steps in here. So, so enjoy it. I love Brother Gilbert Alvarez. He worked on this property. He would come to me and he would be angry sometimes. He'd sit down in my office. And he'd, I spent hours cleaning all that up. And this is what happened. I said, so what are you going to do? He said, well, I tomorrow I'll clean it up again. I said, yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea. It probably needs to be cleaned up. It's a phase. It looks good. Youth is like that. It's fleeting. But at some point, you need to be a middle-aged person. You don't need to be a middle-aged person trying to look like a teenager. At some point, you need to be a grandma or a grandpa. 
I know you don't want to hear that, but it's true. And depending on whether or not how early you had children, you could be a grandpa at a pretty early age. Yeah. Yeah. How many grandpas or grandmas would say, hey, being a grandpa and grandma is pretty cool. I kind of like it. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Because all the grandkids are coming around. People will pursue a lot of things to try to feel something that the world cannot provide. But I'm telling you today, in this place today, the Word of God brings a fulfillment and a strength to us. Pursue it. Pursue it. Seek after it. Paul said, we're seeking him if happily he might be found, though he's not far from each and every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And that connects to the very verses we read in the beginning. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God brings before us a mirror that says, this is reality. This is who you are. It may not be good. It may be ugly. I may be exactly what the mirror says. But how do I get out of that? I get out of that by allowing your word to mold me and shape me and fashion me rather than the carnival mirrors that are nothing but an illusion. As they sing together in the house of God today at the conclusion of this service, let the word of God be a strength to us. Praise God, strength to us. Praise God, a reality that is really Exactly. Yeah. 